Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care, and John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Hello and welcome to The Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks very much for listening. This show, like all our shows, is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational and the Witherslack Group. Uh, in a moment, you're going to be joined by Lucy Newberger for The Late Show on Tuesday night. It is Tuesday. It is The Late Show. You are back with me, Lucy Newberger, and we're doing a roundup for the year. I'm hoping in a little while uh, Mr. Mark Cratchley is going to join me to share his thoughts on some of the things that have gone down this year and look forward to what the edu trends, and I am going to try and make this hashtag take off again. It didn't work last year, but I'm going to see if it works again this year. Uh, what edu trends we can look forward to in 2023. But before we do all that, before we get started, before we kick off this evening, as is tradition, I feel compelled, as always, to take you through the the highs and lows of my week, just to make you feel better maybe about your week. So, yeah. Although I have been keeping an eye on the weather in the UK, and it's been very snowy by the looks of it. Um, I'm a little bit worried if I'm going to be able to fly back to the to the UK next Monday, but I think by then it should be fine. It should be okay. But it is funny. It does make me laugh every time it snows in the UK. The entire the entire place grinds to a halt and we never learn and it's just chaos raining. Um, speaking of rain, the that's what's been happening here. Lisbon and the greater Lisbon area has never seen so much rain. It has rained I think almost entirely for near enough a week now. I mean, to the point where we're talking apocalyptic levels of rain. I mean, tropical rainstorm type rain that you just, I've never seen anything like it. It was like a waterfall today at one point. And Lisbon and Greater Lisbon are not built for uh, dealing with lots of heavy rain. The flooding has been unbelievable to the point where today Lisbon has actually been pretty much closed off you can't get in or out it's almost like covid restrictions all over again and it's been uh it's been uh interesting times i mean certainly getting to work today 
has been quite difficult and back again, although back again wasn't so bad. And uh, a lot of people have had uh, flooding in their houses. A lot of um, buildings are underwater, a lot of underground car parks, things like that, restaurants, businesses. So it's been a little bit stressful in terms of that. But we we press on and Portugal's a very resilient country and the, the Lisbonites are a, a pretty hardy bunch. So I'm hoping that uh, and the Bombayrush, so the uh, the emergency services here have been working tirelessly to ensure that, you know, we 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 get sorted and we get back on our feet and that everything works again. So, yeah, that's that's been interesting. What else has been going on? Um it is the final week of term for me. I'm very lucky in that I finish on Friday. I think quite a few people do. But as we've discussed before, uh, a few others have uh, the unfortunate experience of finishing on fr- uh, not Friday week. Sorry. So uh, on the 23rd, I've just seen Mr. Mark Cratchley pop in. So we will get to chat to him in a moment. Hi, Mark. Glad to have you here. And it looks like some others are going to, to pop in as well. So that's lovely, too. Um, yeah, so final week of term, it has been completely chaotic so far. Um, a lot of the children in my class have already disappeared on holiday. A lot of them are from Brazil and places like that. So they tend to leave a little bit earlier so that they can maximize their time away. I mean, lucky them, hey? Uh, and I am sort of clinging on to timetable just about at this point. I mean, Yes and no. I did do a, a reading comprehension today, but only to, to calm my class down because this morning I had them doing kind of various bits of sort of Christmas math. I know, I know, but all that kind of stuff. And my head teacher walked in to quite a chaotic scene of sort of children all engaged, all busy, all doing things. None of them were doing the same thing. And we had Christmas songs on, but people were busy. Anyway, I think he... Uh, left me to her. I think he thought maybe it's just safer to let her carry on so <laughs> so if you are listening to this head teacher I, I apologize for any chaos you you witnessed today but they they had a lovely time so you know all good uh what else has been going on we yes we've been song rehearsing so we've got our little Christmas bazaar on Thursday afternoon and quite honestly, I am not cut out for any kind of theatre directing. This is what I've learned. So if I do ever end up teaching in year six and have to do a year six production, I uh, I honestly wonder uh, what's what's going to, to become of me. Because this one song, or rather this mashup that we're doing of Silent Night and Merry Christmas, everyone, it does work, I promise, in a weird way. Um, it's honestly, we've got some children who still don't know the steps the kind of dance routine some are turning one way some are turning the other they are not smiling it's honestly I really hope that when they get on that stage on Thursday that they're just going to enjoy it. it's Christmas jumper day that day as well so they'll be all kind of dressed up in their jumpers and hopefully the festivities will kind of seep into their veins this is coming from Mrs Grinch herself but it will seep into their veins and will make them cheery and happy and wonderful and then we can all go off into the holidays and have a lovely time um in terms of other gossip and other things going on i don't think there is anything else really i think it's just everybody 
clawing their way to to the end of term and you are nearly there you are nearly there and you know especially kind of solidarity to to those of you who are pushing through until the 23rd um you've got it in you you can do it you know just have everything try and stay as on timetable as you can and have lots of activities ready to go and just keep those kids occupied and if you do end up resorting to watching a christmas film i don't think there's anything wrong with that in an afternoon you know so what it's it's they've 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 done well i think they have done well and uh something we'll touch on later on in the show is the impact of covid and now that we're back in school kind of what what does that look like or what has that looked like this year so i think it's i think it's important to acknowledge and to use this time of year to reflect uh, as well for ourselves not just about the children but for for us as well to see how far we've come and what we've um and how resilient i don't like that word but you get the point how resilient we've all been because we have we've been through a great deal in the lot well everybody has in the last few years so anyway without further ado i think we should bring on mr mark cratchley and i can see that he is there Mark, are you there? Hello, I am. How good are evening, you? sir. How are you doing? Good evening. Pretty good. Pretty good. You're all yeah, right. Yeah, I'm all right. Um, thank you for joining me this evening. But just, uh, I mean, I know that you've sort of popped in and out of, of shows before. But just for those who maybe are not familiar with uh, with who you are, could you please give a, a brief introduction to your to who you are and your role, your current role in education? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I am an English teacher in secondary. Um, I'm in my fourth year now, um, and I used to teach in primary. I was an unqualified teacher in primary, teaching mostly PPA, and I taught abroad for 11, 12 years. 11 years. 12 years? 12 years as well. I can't remember now. So <laughs> it was like a long time ago, but yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so teaching for over 20 years, basically, in, in various forms, in, in all kinds of forms, basically. Yeah, you've had quite quite the teaching adventure. And I think you're very well placed to to guide me through our uh, our 2022, uh, well, revisit and looking forward to 2023. Now, I've got lots of bits and pieces here in front of me and I haven't briefed you on any of this, Mark. So it's kind of what comes to you and your thoughts on this. And we're going to as always with my shows, we're going to kind of go off all over the place and look at a variety of things, some serious, some maybe less serious. So brace yourself. I hope you're ready. And, oh, I've seen a few more have joined us. I've seen uh, that uh, Ms. W. Danan is here. Hello, Woody. Lovely to have you. I've seen Peter is in as well. And hopefully a few more will join in when they see that we're doing a year roundup. They might want to share their thoughts as well. So, Mark, I hope you're ready. Ah, first things first. Now, <laughs> now there's nothing like being put on the spot, is there? Well, I think I think you'll have thoughts on these things, and uh, to be honest, <laughs> you know, uh, well, see see how you go. So, the first the first thing that kind of came to mind for me this year was actually nothing to do with the the whole COVID side of things. We'll we'll, we'll come back to that. Was actually. I was trying to think, and this is more from a UK point of view, just how many education secretaries we've got through in in recent times. Do you know what the actual number is? <laughs> I've given it counting, to be honest with you. I've got no idea. It's got to be at least half a dozen, surely, in the last couple of years. You're not far off. Do you know who the current edu- education secretary is? Uh, to my shame, I don't. <laughs> so it's somebody called, and this is a Schools Week article on her. This is somebody called Gillian Keegan. 
Okay. Right. okay. And she is lucky number five. Uh, so at the time of this article was written, which was October. So I think it's still Gillian Keegan. I really, I'd be really embarrassing if I'm wrong, but I'll blame the fact that I've lived out of the country for a while. So um, at time of writing, it is Gillian Keegan or was Gillian Keegan, but I think she is still in the role. So she was the fifth to serve in the role in four months the sixth in 14 months, there you go, and the tenth since the Conservatives came to power in 2010. So 10 education secretaries in 12 years. <laughs> that kind of is a very good picture of perhaps why the uh, current education system is in the state it's in, isn't it? Uh, yes, and I think this is kind of, this dominated the headlines this year. I mean, not so much the, the education side of things, but more... The, the fact that Boris Johnson finally uh, left his post was finally toppled. But then we've also done, what, three prime ministers this year? Three, yeah. Yes. So yeah. it's sort of a, a mark of a, a wider problem, let's say. But the there's sort of a lot to say about Gillian Keegan, actually. I mean, even though I don't know if you'd heard of her. Well, you couldn't name her, but had you heard of her prior to this? Uh, no, again, I'm afraid not. I'm, I'm googling her now so furiously googling as i as i put you on the spot <laughs> well just some fun facts for you that i've got here she left school at 16 making her the first education secretary to have done so since alan johnson um she then did an apprenticeship at delco electronics um and she was sponsored to study a degree at liverpool john moore's she's got she's got a degree in business uh, and she did a master's degree uh, it doesn't say in what but at the london business school um she has also lived and worked abroad, so much like you you and I both have. Um, in 2019, she accused the government of playing catch-up on mental health services for children, and she says schools have a vital role in offering support and spotting the signs of when people need help, which, I mean, we know full well that there was a mental health crisis before COVID, but certainly in the wake of that, and within schools, there is definitely, and I don't know if you've noticed this this year, um, a lot of mental health that has come to the to the forefront for, for students and for staff. I don't know if there's anything that sort of has particularly stuck out to you at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the biggest thing seems to be the waiting list to, for students to see counsellors. Um, the demand has obviously increased. Um, and unfortunately, the the waiting lists um, are phenomenal at the moment. It's 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 a really long wait for students who are really in need of help, and there's, there's just aren't the um, the resources or the facilities there for, for them to, to receive the help that they need. Oh no, most definitely. I mean, I I even I get asked quite regularly whether there's um, a counsellor who's kind of on the on the school staff, and you know, as much as that would be a lovely thing, it's it's just not realistic and and not feasible. So we're doing or have done this year uh, a lot of work in in class in both the classes I've had in this sort of this year, January to December, because of course I realised that we're that we've kind of we've spanned two academic years or parts of two academic years but it's it's definitely been noticeable certainly from the from the primary side that yes the 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 mental health side but also the the social side the just kind of the still the the sort of the immaturity in terms of relating to one another socially and the the idea of actually being still being in class together again it really I still feel I'm rebuilding that with with these children despite the fact that we have been back in class for a while now it's 
been a very funny time in terms of you know teaching year five now for example is not teaching year five two or three years ago it's, it's very very clear that although they're at that age where you know biologically they're they're maturing and 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 you know hormones have kicked in or starting to but socially they're just not not there there's a huge mismatch between the two and i don't know if it's kind of it's as noticeable in secondary it is absolutely yeah i think um last year this year i don't know if i'm getting used to it perhaps a little bit but certainly last year it was really noticeable particularly i noticed with the year year eights last year because they missed out on uh the end of year well they missed out on most of their year six and their year seven as well so in a way they were as you would expect a year five class to 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 behave um so that was the most noticeable but further up through the school as well it's it's become really clear that it's continued <clears throat> and it hasn't really been resolved i think it's going to take another you know maybe two or three years before it, it really is back to how things were before the lockdown oh definitely and i lockdowns yeah i mean there we we definitely did multiple uh, multiple lockdowns out here as well and i think that this has to be acknowledged. I mean, certainly uh, with teachers I've spoken to lower down in, in primary who got who are teaching kind of year two, year three and are noticing things like, uh, you know, their their reading ability is is much lower than they've than they've dealt with in the past. Uh, a large part of that due to the fact that they weren't doing phonics in school. And yes, you know, we've said time and time again that teaching online did happen and teachers absolutely did that to the best of their ability. But it still was not the same thing as being in class and so particularly for those very young children as well who missed out on that really kind of formative early stage of of schooling they haven't and they haven't caught up yet and they haven't quite got the well they're not even close in some cases to the reading ability that they should have at the end of year two or the end of year three no i think it was a problem before lockdown as well from from what i can remember when i was working in primary sort of three what four four or five years ago now um and as part of my role, I would be working in reception. The reception teachers were saying, even back then, sort of four or five years ago, that the the level and the social skills, the level of, um, well, oracy skills, liter- liter- literacy skills as well, and social skills were rapidly um, showing signs that they, they weren't the same as they had been sort of a few years previously. So I think that decline... It was kind of compounded as well then with the lockdown on top of that. So it's it's something that was a, a, perhaps an issue beforehand and then uh, the lockdown has just exacerbated it as well. Yeah, and I still, you know, I think that this is going to be, I mean, that we talk about sort of generations, you know, Gen X, Gen Z, all that kind of thing. But I do, I mean, I worry about this this generation of kids being labelled the, the COVID generation and this, hangover or whatever you want to call it maybe hangover is definitely the wrong word but this sort of thing that's kind of so much part of our our subconscious and our and our recent times that I think that this is going to be part of teachers teachers careers and watching their students for for a long time to to come but Mm, absolutely I think what you said earlier as well about you know the the lack of um in-school counsellors or in-house counsellors is is something that it's a role that teachers have had to adopt themselves. It's something that, you know, it, it's certainly been a larger part of um, our responsibilities and duties over the last couple of, well, the last year and a half or so since coming back. It's something that, you know, there's been much more of a a shift than perhaps in the time and the efforts expected in the pastoral care. 
Um, yeah, I was going to say as well, so yeah, uh, what you we were saying about the lockdown effect. So it, further up the school, I was just chatting the other day to a couple of my um, year 11s, top set year 11 English set. And uh, one of them just turned blurted out. We were just having a bit of a conversation. One of them just blurted out, said, well, I used to be smart before lockdown. You know, so the impact on the kids and their, their self-esteem and, um, you know, their, their efforts and how they, how they view themselves as well. You know, it's, it's going to take a long time for that to recover. Yeah, I, I think so. And it's it's interesting because, I mean, I've never heard. I mean, we've always talked about teacher tired and it's always been kind of a bit of a, a running joke, certainly in that that first the, the first term of, of any year. But this year, kind of 2022, sort of just when we were kind of coming out of sort of the back end of 21 into 22 and people, you know, things were starting to, to adjust properly again. The the kind of burnt out tiredness of teachers seemed to be talked about even more. And I don't know if this was just because I saw it all over Twitter, but it was it was next level tired. And I don't know if maybe having to I mean, we wear many hats anyway. It's just it's 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 part of the the job we do. We just we 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 know that going in. But do you think that maybe having to take on that extra pastoral element and as well as all the catch up we're doing, everything else has just kind of people are just tapped out at this point yeah absolutely yeah i think the so about this time last year i said people think well we're feeling like we're on our knees now but if we remember back to 12 months ago i think it was even worse to be honest with you coming back in that september after um after all the 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 kind of easing back into it to a degree after the the lockdown in 21 it just felt uh, it re- it felt relentless. It was like right, okay, back to normal. <clears throat> We're going to hit the ground running, and nobody was ready for it. I don't think any any school was ready for it, any teachers or or students, and it, it's just been exhausting. And I think if we continue at this pace, then well, we've already seen, haven't we? That you know the um, the amount of teachers who uh, are wanting to leave, the lack of uptake in new teachers as well coming into the profession. That is a really clear, a real clear indication, I think, of how things are, the state of things um, mm-hmm. at the moment. And it seems. I don't you're doom and gloom on this, but it's. No, no, no. <laughs> it's kind of. We will. We will it, perk just... up. We, I promise we will perk up. But I think it's, it's important to. <laughs> Sounds so dire. Honestly, I think I think uh, Rogers thinks I'm doing this on purpose. That my kind of my my whole Grinch <laughs> attitude to Christmas. I'm just trying to seep it into everything and make everybody sad. I'm really not. I promise you, it will it will pick up. And there are actually some things in here that I think will be really good when. Well, in amongst all my bits of paper that I'm sitting sitting around, there are some uh, some sort of more upbeat or more. Well, I don't know if there are. Well, we'll get to it, and you can see what you think. You can um, you okay. can uh, well, judge, think... judge judge me on it as it comes up. All right, I think the silver lining is though that it's, I mean the the sense of um, camaraderie, and you said the word resilience here, which you don't like, but I think it, it really has shown through. And there's that <clears throat> that feeling. I think over lockdown, it was kind of quite prevalent as well do what you can and I think now we're starting to sort of draw the line a little bit as well I mean there's what was the the, the phrase or the term that's been banded around recently is it quiet quitting I think in the, it's just kind of drawing a line and saying actually no I'm not going to do I'm not going to exceed expectations I'm not going to go above and beyond what it is I'm going to do what I need to do and and I think it's becoming more acceptable to do that rather than have to you know, be all bells and whistles all the time and um, working all through the night and all through the weekend. I think people are actually sort of starting to sort of uh, draw a line now and say, look, 
we don't have to be doing this. We can, um, we can say no to things. Um, and like I said, there is, there seems to be a, a well, certainly in my school at least anyway, there's a very strong uh, camaraderie with it and support um, in the in, amongst the teachers. Yeah, and I think, and I would say the same for for my side as well. There was definitely um, people were checking in on each other. People were were very were people did band together, but. Do you think there's been from sort of any of the kind of educational bodies or <clears throat> or the government and I can sort of predict where your answer will go with this but <laughs> go with me anyway just an acknowledgement of kind of where we are in terms of education at this point and the fact that actually this idea that we can just catch up and pretend that nothing happened do you, I mean, I mean, it seems like Ofsted are back with a vengeance as well. We've we've talked. I mean, that's mm. been another theme throughout this year. Certainly in in the UK, in terms of, you know, they're they're just they're they're marching around like like nothing ever happened. But of course, they've had their own various controversies, as as we know. But it just seems that it's kind of it's almost that certainly in the UK at least that kind of keep calm and carry on attitude is trying yeah. to be pushed through. But I don't feel that that's working certainly not from people i've spoken to and certainly not from sort of well from my side either no it feels like it's going to crack i mean we had ofsted um was it october i think just uh, <coughs> a couple of weeks before half term um and to be honest with you it was kind of a relief because it be, we'd been on high alert for for an entire year so the, the september previously we were told right they, they we'd do a visit they should be here any time and we had a whole year of that. So it, it was nice to be, once they'd been and gone, uh, there was a kind of a, a sense of relief, certainly. Um, but I think, um, yeah, no, I think they've given, basically they missed a golden opportunity to, to have a huge revamp and over, overhaul of the, of, the, of the whole education system. And we've already seen in some subjects where, you know, after lockdown, we're saying, well, okay, we're going to remove this section from the exam um because it's it's too much you know it's like in in english for example i think it was the unseen poetry or there was certainly uh, one of the poetry questions was removed um for the lockdown uh, exams and it's just i think it's uh, uh, perhaps we need to sort of really properly have a look at the how overcrowded a lot of the specs are for secondary school for gcse particularly and for a level there's a lot of content to teach and if if we kind of, you know, if you miss a week or if you miss a few days or something, even then you're playing catch up. And even if you can do everything and you're whizzing through, you can't deliver and you can't um, learn to a degree where it's, it's, it's quality. It's just, it seems to be right. You need to learn this, 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 and this. And it's, it's very kind of short term. It's not a long term impact. It's, it's, um, it's Gove's legacy, basically, I think, isn't it? It's that kind of rote learning. Uh, for the sake of learning rather than any kind of real value in it for me personally anyway that's that's how I feel about it it feels like there's too much to do there's not the critical thinking skills there's not time to enjoy the subject quite so much as well Um, it's quite certainly some of the aspects in my subject in English language are very dry Um, so it it, it just feels like there was a missed opportunity to perhaps have a a, a really good look at it and a bit a bit of an overhaul of some of the uh, some of the subjects and do you feel that that opportunity maybe is still there or do you feel we're, we're, we're in grave danger going into 2023 and sort of moving forward as we're desperately trying to in many ways? Uh, do you feel that we can still kind of say, you know, hang on a minute, actually we can still 
change things here. There's still an opportunity to look back. Uh, maybe maybe not enough time has passed yet to look back and say, you know, what did we learn during during lockdown? Because it does it it comes up a lot. But as you say, I don't think people and I'm going to use a phrase that people hate un, have unpacked it enough and actually looked in great mm. enough depth to say how can I heard, I heard that. <laughs> Um, I thought you were. Fr- I could hear you frowning at me then. No, um, no, no, not at all. No. <laughs> but yeah, people haven't. We haven't had a chance to actually unpack it and look at it and say, actually, is are these um, is the syllabus fit for purpose? I mean, I I don't teach secondary, so I'm. This is not my area of expertise by any stretch of the imagination. I know there's some secondary teachers uh, in the mix. That this evening, I can see can see a couple that are in there already who would. Uh, if you want to leap in and correct me on anything, please, please do. Do not sit there raging at me for, get, for getting things wrong. <laughs> but yes, I mean, I certainly, from people I have spoken to, there are texts and bits and pieces and things that are that were doing the rounds 15 years ago when I did my GCSEs, or a bit longer than that, 16, mm. 17 years ago now. And I think, oh, come on, really? Really? Surely it's yeah. time to move on a bit. Yeah, it's interesting. I was at the the school I was at previously, so the head of department there. He went to one of the meetings where um, you know heads of department will go, and it's the the exam board, and they're deciding on the the text that they're going to use for the curricula for the for the spec for the exams and stuff. And it does seem to be be very kind of stuck in their ways. That they do seem to be um, well. We've got all these resources on this text, and you know we've been doing it for years, and it's served us well. So you know we know. We know how to examine this. We know how to mark this. <clears throat> we know how to grade this. Um, and there doesn't seem it's it's from that level. I think that's where it needs to change. And I don't know if we can do that from grassroots or whether we can do it, whether it has to come from above. But it seems to be kind of stuck there in the middle um, with these exam boards. And I, saying that there are some boards now that are. Um, doing more in terms of trying to make that the curriculum more diverse um but it does seem to be a very slow process so i don't know whether how that change is going to come about i think it will i'm positive and optimistic that it will come about i think it's necessary um Mm. just how soon or where which direction that um, pressure is going to come from and it's a bit hard to say at the moment but like i said there are there are examples that are changing they are developing they are introducing more uh diverse and modern texts as well so well, you've just um, drawn my eye to, to one of the articles that I printed off, which is actually from Independent Education Today, which sort of kind of piggybacks onto this, where it says that, you know, one of the this was actually talking about trends uh, in 2022. So not looking forward as such. But what they say here, or one of the points they make is knowledge based curriculums are no longer enough. And it's become apparent that uh you know that they are no longer enough and uh, the propensity for a skills-based method is not fit for purpose <clears throat> schools are now finding a balance between the two and are teaching knowledge-rich curriculums uh, which also develop essential skills for life uh, it's now far more acceptable to see the importance of this approach rather than simply preparing children to pass exams at whatever age without a doubt this will continue to be a debate going forward um, you know the challenges of 2021 have been well documented uh, and schools have coped incredibly well um, but right now, you know, there's things like, you know, anxious and disgruntled parents, students who've been let down by the system, as we know, particularly in the UK. Um, you know, nothing substitutes being in school, but real problems stem from lack of socialisation and being part of school community. But 
schools now need to think about how you know they can kind of make sure that they're teaching you know a broad and balanced curriculum another another favorite edu phrase that uh pops up from time to time so i don't know if you want to to comment on any of that at all mark oh i lost him mark you muted <laughs> Oh, maybe he's done a runner, Rogers. I don't know. Maybe he got fed up. Anyway, I'll I'll toddle on while while he hopefully makes a reappearance. Oh no, he's there. Oh no, we've lost him. Hopefully, Mark will be back with us in a minute. But I mean, in going on from this this article, it also talks about. Uh, so not only are there issues within. Oh, he's there. Mark's Hello. Back. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. You went completely silent, and uh, yeah, so I I. Uh... I logged out and logged back in again. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What was the last bit you heard, just so I know where we um, were? Where, where did we get to? Did you hear the bit about knowledge? Yes, 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 yes. Not yeah, talking about enough. a balance between knowledge and skill, yeah. Yes. I mean, would you say that's sort of the, in the broadest uh, sense, the kind of the 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 route we need to take going forward. Yeah, I think so. It seems the sensible thing, doesn't it? There seems to be this kind of pendulum shift or swing between knowledge-based and skills-based and the arguments to and fro between the two. But it just seems to be that that seems, you know, that the, the, there should be or could hopefully arrive at a, a happy medium. I think both are, there's value in both. And if you focus too much on one or the other, then it's at the, the loss of the, 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 well, the students lose out, don't they? So, <clears throat> I mean, it's, Almost it's difficult. Definitely. This was actually this came up in my interview question actually for um, uh, for when I got my um, uh, job at the, the school I'm at. They said, "Do you prefer a knowledge based or a skills based curriculum?" I said, "Well, do you have to kind of choose between the two? Should it not be one or the other?" I mean, there, there are students who I know who are very eloquent when it comes to classroom discussions, and they've got a great source, you know, great. Um, you know, they're very erudite, they've got a lot of knowledge about um, various texts and that kind of thing. But when it comes to writing about it, they're shocking. Um, so they, they've got the knowledge, but they don't have the skills. So we need to, that's just an example of why we need to have a balance between the two. Mm-hmm. And actually, this uh, this article goes on to say, and I've just seen, uh, Woody, I think you if it's this one you want me to share, I'll try and remember to share everything in my show notes, which I usually do on time but i will make a concessive or a strong effort to do that this evening for you just going back to following on from from this particular uh, article the next bit they sort of go on to say there's there's another bit i want to touch on that's actually further back but i'm dotting about all over the place like i normally do where the suggestion is that going forward sort of in a kind of post covid like children must be at the front and center of everything we do so things like you know when when we went into lockdown the removal of sport music drama and creative arts during school closures impacted children and parents negatively and there's now a renewed thirst for children to be involved in learning new skills and growing confidence and i think it is all these things you know all the creative arts all the uh trips and things that we that were a huge part uh, of our curriculum pre-covid i mean certainly we've made a big effort this year to try and and get out of classes as, as much as we can particularly well locally I mean that's kind of what we what we do but uh I definitely feel that's that's a large part of what I missed in the in the previous two years I don't know about you Mark absolutely yeah it's it's something I miss and I think it's also something that seem, people seem to forget it's what kept a lot of people going during the lockdowns as well you know the arts particularly 
well, and sports as well. I mean, it, it's <clears throat> those things are uh, what we turn to. We didn't turn to, um, you know, learning, I don't know, the present progressive tense, or we didn't turn to learning algebra or things. We turned to the, the National Theatre Online. We turned to Joe Wicks. We turned to those those things that could feed our souls as well as rather than, you know, looking at the, the knowledge-based things, wasn't it? It was much more skills-based in, in that. Oh, most definitely. Um, and just the last thing I want to touch on in this article, and it is a slightly, well, I don't know if it's a it's a negative point, but it's certainly one that maybe because of the, the school environment that, that I operate in, it's, it's perhaps maybe more noticeable. I don't know. You can see what you think about this. But I've noticed um, a lot more parental pressure, uh, it's certainly in 2022, than I've ever kind of noticed before in terms of they are much more sort of engaged in terms of what's going on in school I think because they were at home or everybody was at home doing it for themselves in one way or another and of course we know there were varying degrees in in how that operated in terms of parental availability whether parents were around safety at home access all these things played an enormous role but uh, certainly, yeah, I have noticed that, and I, I don't know if this is unique to the to the environment that that I find myself in now, or whether this is across the board that parents are uh, far more invested, having you know had to do it themselves and having seen kind of a, had a sort of small insight into how education works, that they now want to to be more involved day to day than they have been. Um, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Um... So during lockdown, I was working at a grammar school, and I think the, the those families were um, perhaps already quite invested in their students. I'm putting this very politely. They were very um, hands-on, then, shall we say, and very forthright in their expectations of uh, of the school and the teachers and and their children's education. Um, which, of course, you know that that brings about all kinds of pressures in itself, anyway. Um, and I think again, they were kind of exacerbated by by the lockdown in many cases. Um, since then, th- yes, perhaps, maybe, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of, as a teacher parent, um, I, you know, I see the, the WhatsApp group with the parents and I kind of sometimes a bit conflicted, you know, I have to kind of not get involved in the conversations that are going on because, you know, that it wouldn't be professional for me to do that. And um, I don't know that it's any more or less, from, just from what I've seen, I don't know that it's any more or less um, than it was before, to be honest with you. No, that's that's fair enough. And I, I just I wonder whether from my side it's because, uh, you know, we we did two iterations, obviously, or two lockdowns, and they were both handled quite differently under under different head teachers. And so I think there was a lot that played into, you know, what what these parents were expecting from us, particularly as a fee paying school, uh, that they you know they were very keen to ensure that that children were you know occupied, that we were doing what we were meant to be doing, that we were accountable, and all the rest of it. Um, and they do now, certainly now that Google Classroom is something that's regularly used, and all the rest of it. I sort of yeah have noticed much more in the terms of communication, in terms of you know if I if a homework is posted a day late or things like that. So. Maybe again, that's that's sort of slightly more environment based rather than a, a, a general a general thing. So, yeah, I uh, think I think that's that is interesting that that you know you say it's a fee paying school. I think that might be um, the difference. I know locally here there are 
what three, four big um, private schools. Um, we had some of our students uh, leave our, our school during lockdown to, and they signed up for, to those schools because of the service that they were offering. They were, you know, they are expected to do more, I think, and um, because they were because they were fee paying, so the, the demand perhaps was greater. Certainly in the first yeah. lockdown, anyway. The second lockdown, not not so much because we were doing pretty much the same sort of thing, but certainly in the first mm. lockdown that happened. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, we as teachers are getting uh, pressures from pressures from all angles. And I think that I do think the pressure in general, I mean, the things we've touched on as well, you know, more being kind of added to the role sort of almost in a in a sort of subconscious way rather than actively being told you must now make sure that you know, we've always cared about our students well-being. But that's now, you know, increased even more and things like that. It's just I think there's just there's just more, it seems, uh, all the stuff that existed before, but it almost seems to have been magnified, certainly in the last year or so. But um, actually, another thing, this article is very useful. Um, the It does sort of say here, it's now the job of school leaders to ensure that staff workload is manageable and that they're not under unreasonable pressure, either internally or externally. Uh, for some, it's simply been too much and they've reassessed their priorities and decided to leave that quiet quitting that you were alluding to as, as well. Um, and... Um, most recently, though, it's been school leaders, and actually, I've noticed this as well, who are not necessarily leaving, but are questioning whether in the wake of everything, because there are many, many head teachers worldwide who were, you know, working around the clock, trying to keep schools open as much as possible, trying to, uh, you know, support families, all the rest of it, and have just kind of come out the other side of it and are absolutely shattered and absolutely in a way broken and are kind of reassessing whether they are able to run a school in the way that they would want to i don't know if you've seen any of anything related to that at all mark yeah <clears throat> yeah i think so i think it is it's it, it, obviously the the pressure or the you know the responsibility falls ultimately on the head doesn't it and you know all of the pressures that we feel as teachers um they have that sort of tenfold in a way um, so I think that's yeah I can I can see the why why that is the case um, yeah no I agree I think it's 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 been again it just comes back to that idea doesn't it that you know perhaps a, a massive overhaul is needed it really does need to be looked at properly and um, changes need to be made because yeah you're right there is this there's certainly lip service for um, teachers' well-being in, in the schools that I've worked at, but there's still um, high expectations as well. So, you know, the, the the buzzwords are, you know, teacher well-being, and we have well-being inset days now, which are fantastic. But at the same time, we're thinking, well, okay, it's, it's all very well and good, but we're still having all these extra little bits added to our workload. So it it it's kind of give with one hand and take away with the other. So. I'm going to caveat what you just said, and some are not going to like this. I think some well-being days are great. The likes of Charlie Burley and, and people like that, Teachers Health Coach, who I know has uh, been a guest on Teachers Talk Radio before, I believe, with uh, the delightful Tom Rogers. Um, that well-being days like that are, are great, but then there are some that I have heard about that are just an almighty cringe fest, shall we say? And that's being tactful. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I want to hear the examples. What what kind of thing have they had to do? Schools that have got uh, massage therapists in, I just think that's a bit weird. Would you want to get a massage at school? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Not, maybe not a mass no. out. No. We, the, I mean, the ones we had last year, we had, I think there was uh, one of the parents was a yoga teacher. They came and taught us yoga. Um, this year, I think the pottery session has sold out or sold out. It's been booked out. Um, we've got training at the gym. We've got voice training, breathing training. Um, it's all those kinds. Of, it is kind of, you know, physical well-being or, you know, uh, more creative then shall we say but at the same time it's like well, this is all lovely but when are we going to have time to come into the pottery studio and and, and throw down some clay once the, mm. the terms up and running again that kind of thing it, you know it's, it's a good idea in theory but in practice I don't know how practical it is I think they should take teachers axe throwing have you ever done that? <laughs> no but I would absolutely love to it's do that it's really fun <laughs> it sounds very very therapeutic it is incredibly hazardous. I mean, I've um, <laughs> there's a there's a place in uh, in Lisbon in somewhere called the LX Factory, which is quite, it's kind of an American style sort of setup, so you can have burgers, cocktails, things like that. And then at the back, uh, not shielded off in any way, it's just some kind of they're almost like sort of mini bowling lanes, if you like, and you have a target and you just lob axes at them. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure with booze that's such a good idea, but you know it's no, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, do that first twice. and then drink. Well, I've been twice, and everyone's left with all their toes and, and fingers. So, <laughs> mm. but do you know what? I really, I think a great well-being thing for teachers, and maybe I should campaign for this. Um, is have you ever seen those rooms where you can basically go into them and just smash stuff up? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, I have heard about this, yeah. I promise I'm not deeply unhinged, uh, unhinged as I sound, <laughs> but I just I think there is something very satisfying about breaking stuff. No, Why on my own here. I sound like a weirdo. No, I agree. Idea. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but <coughs> we just get that, people like, to lucky. to give a, a hands up or a high five or some kind of uh, heart or something if they agree. Yes, I think you should. So, if you'd like to go into one of these smashy rooms or whatever they're called, breaky rooms, give a give a give a heart or a, or a thumbs up. Don't leave me on. Oh, we've got an agreement from Francis. Lovely. Francis is making me feel, um, and he's a deputy head teacher as well, so I feel slightly more validated in my uh, <laughs> nutty approach to well-being. Oh, and uh, Ms. Wilson as well has given some given a thumbs up as well. So thank you for that. I do I do appreciate it. I feel less like a complete nutter. Okay. Mark, I'm going to give you a moment to have a, a sip of whatever you are, are drinking. And then I'm actually going to uh, look forward to the future. We're going to go in a, well, in a futuristic direction. I think aspects of this are positive, but you can, you can tell me what you think. Um, these are some of the things that, some of the predicted trends um, for 2023 and beyond. So have a sip of something and come back to me in a moment. In the meantime, I'm going okay, to tell you... As long as it doesn't me. involve um, mini whiteboards, I'll be all right. Oh, well, we haven't got on to the Twitter debacles. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. I was going right, to save okay. that till, till near the end, just in case we did cause mutiny here on TTR. <laughs> but, um, and also, I'm very conscious of the fact that, you know, um, admin might have, might boot me off if I start to cause too much controversy. But as if I would. I mean, this is, you know, this is Tuesday evening. How much trouble can we get into, really? I mean, I don't know. I can get into lots of trouble, clearly. But anyway, while we're while we're here, I should tell you about our lovely sponsors. We have got with a Slack group who are a leading provider of careers and wonderful things like that. Also a leading provider of CPD as well. They have some fantastic CPD on their website. So you should go and have a look at that too. And also, if you're thinking about a career change, maybe have a look there as well. Uh, I'm hoping that admin are going to pin 
a tweet for me as well from them so you can see more on that we've also got john cap who are wonderful providers of so if you're looking for a christmas gift for the teacher in your life you might want to have a browse through their things as well so that is john cat education and i've just seen something else that has been popped into the top of the space here which is have you checked out the thinking teacher by oh goodness me a name that i'm going to butcher i'm really sorry in advance colvin atwell uh sorry just have a look at that um it offers current and reflective resource for teachers at every level who wish to transform their thinking and their practice in the classroom and that is something that is available from john cat fantastic good stuff good to know what else have we got anything else exciting oh you can see up there the uh oh speaking of highlights of the year and 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 a flashback of 2022 with a select group are also sharing their highlights of 2022 so if you want to go and have a look at that you can as well okay mark i'm hoping you're suitably refreshed and still with me and that you haven't uh disappeared off somewhere no i'm still here i can still hear you it's all good uh because I, I you said to me earlier that you've uh got mock exams calling you and i hope that the, the the cry isn't too loud and that we can we can keep you for a little bit longer no i'm managing to muffle it quite successfully at the moment so <laughs> <laughs> i think it's mean that they make teachers do that at this time of year it's, it's just mind you i've had to just do a round of reports so uh, i don't know i don't know right yeah, it's okay. a necessary evil it's got to be done it is it is right okay so We've kind of looked back, we've sort of circumnavigated all the, the, the various bits and pieces that have kind of made 22, 2022, I can't even speak anymore, 2022 what it is. But now I think it's time to to look forward into the future. And actually, there's a surprising number of articles and things looking, looking out to this, uh, one of which is uh, from Moonpreneur. That's an interesting portmanteau, but okay. Um, which is the top 13 education trends in 2023. Now, uh, I don't know if we'll go through all of these. I've picked out some of my favourites and you can see what you think. And some of these actually match up to another thing I found, which is from the, what's it called? See, this is when you have too many bits of paper. From Trends Shaping Education as well. So a lot of this actually does, does match up. Right, so here we go. Let's have a look. So the first thing, something that I've definitely talked about in a in a past show is gamification is going to become much more of a thing in 2023. Gamification of learning. So educators are always trying to uh, find new techniques and, and ways to approach learning. And gamification is uh, a way of motivating students through uh, elements of video game design. And uh, it recreates some of the same factors in the classroom, incorporating elements from games to provide students with the opportunities to act autonomously and display competence. Mark, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I'm all for games. I love playing games in class. So I think that that's, uh, sounds like a good idea to me. I know the kids love things like Kahoot and uh, Block It and that kind of thing. They're, they're competitive um low stakes multiple choice kind of questions where you know there, there's that uh, repeat repetition and consolidation of learning so i think that's sounds like a winner see i i i'm still on the fence with gamification on the one hand i get it completely i completely understand how this has found its way into education and in the same way you said i understand that things like kahoot 
there's a plethora of stuff out there that we're already using that that adds that element in the other the other side to it and again anyone can leap in here if they want to share their thoughts on this or tell me that i'm wrong by all means uh is that i kind of feel in the wake of and it's again something else i've talked about in the wake of uh online learning and things like that that attention span has become an issue and i worry that if we go too far down the gamification route because a lot of the time i mean i really try and make my lessons as engaging as possible we all do i mean duh we all do but and there are lessons where i come away from and thought okay that was a bit of a damn squib but i also there is a little bit of me that maybe resents the idea of unless it goes whiz bang or kind of flashes brightly or kind of has that gamification element that it's just not going to hold children's attention so in you know in using it am i kind of am i creating a trap where children are not going to be engaged or not going to be on board unless there is that element to a lesson or am i being cynical i don't know i think, think it's the carrot the carrot and stick approach isn't it i think if you if you use it as some kind of um like i said as a, as a retrieval exercise or something like that if the whole whole lesson whole scheme of work is based around games and then perhaps that's not going to be as uh as successful you, there needs to be input as well doesn't there there needs to be learning in in a sense unless yeah. i mean you, you could have some kind of discovery games i suppose as well where there, there's problem solving that kind of thing um but again it needs to be balanced doesn't it you can't have it, it, yeah it just needs to be there needs to be balanced and i think there is a place for it i think we're already it's already there isn't it we, we are already using it and without wishing to bring up mini whiteboards again, they are. That's one of their uses, isn't it? It's that that quick um, uh, concept checking to making sure that yeah. you know the the you know hinge questions or all that kind of stuff. We can use mini whiteboards for those. We can use um, games. We can use Kahoot or Brookit for those as well. So it's, it, it's there in place already, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know that um, one of the year six teachers at, at school is uh, was having a bit of a kind of tech hiatus because year six do have uh, the use of chromebooks at school and they're kind of not exclusively theirs but predominantly theirs and she has actually she said to me recently she said you know they're so used to kind of getting out a chromebook and just uh typing away and sometimes i do just want them to sit and actually be with their thoughts and just handwrite some stuff rather than than use the computer i mean i know again the whole idea of handwriting is sort of becoming more and more obsolete as it were but for now it does still exist and it, there is still an element of um you know having things in books which is which is quite quite nice i find as well and there my, is there's um, there's an argument yeah. for both isn't there i mean we've had there was a, a a show recently that i remember talking on about and we were talking about you know tech in schools and things and you know there is obviously there's that research was saying that you know if you write things down and it helps to um, improve your working memory or it stays in your working memory longer if you if you're writing things down rather than typing things. But again, it's about balance, isn't it? So the as we sort of look ahead, then it is likely that we are going to be using um, you know keyboards more, um, and there is going to be less need for for handwritten work. But in terms of input, in terms of learning and receiving knowledge and i think um handwritten stuff or writing by hand is, is still uh, essential oh most definitely i would i would wholeheartedly agree with that uh, another 
2023 trend, supposedly, well, according to Moonpreneur, at least, is uh, the rise of STEAM-based programs. So for those of you, I mean, you're all okay with this, but for those of you who don't know, science, technology, engineering, um, arts and, and maths, or I also thought it was and maths, but this is an American article, so forgive me. Um, but okay, saying that uh, 21st century has obviously seen some drastic changes and that these subjects are still very much sort of put on the back burner a lot certainly I mean obviously well maths is taught every day but certainly I felt in some of the primary schools I worked in that the science teaching is maybe not or certainly my science teaching at least has not been as strong as it as it could be and uh, it's important that uh, a steam-based curriculum is something that can be followed and that they're not just taught as kind of um you know, a sort of side thing that actually children are taught to ask questions, how to experiment, how to create, innovate, uh, how to test hypotheses, variables, etc., things like that. Because it's, uh, and I certainly think that primary has a massive role to, to play here in that, you know, we need to liaise more with our secondary colleagues, of course, easier said than done, about how we can improve all the the teaching of all these things from sort of early days there are things that we can do from EYFS all the way through um, obviously and beyond secondary but I yeah I certainly think that there I mean I know it's been on the agenda for for a while but it hasn't really sort of experienced a, a massive push that I've that I've seen in in a while and Mark I don't know if you agree or disagree with that yeah, no, I think it's, it's certainly for primary. I mean, it's kind of in place really in secondary, isn't it? Where you've got the core subjects and, you know, all of those are taught um, at, a, at a sort of a higher a higher rate or a higher consistency throughout the, the timetable. Um, but in primary, certainly, I think there's a, a call for it, isn't it? I mean, my background, as I said earlier, is um, in primary. Um, and as a PPA teacher, I was invariably left with um, doing the science lessons in the afternoon because the, the class teacher would not, really want to, to do it so generally speaking anyway um so if it's more of a a core subject as it were then um yeah no i think that's that all the more uh, good for that <laughs> fantastic now there's sort of a few a few of these points kind of smush together and i've also kind of gathered this as well from uh where is it honestly too many bits of paper i need to stop doing this uh for what for trends trends shaping education as well and again i'll post all this because there's a lot of reading material here i will post all of this in my show notes for you to read uh at your leisure and what the trends report has done is actually created four different scenarios of where schooling could go in the future and this actually matches quite nicely with this moonpreneur article as well so see what you think about this i mean do I necessarily think that these things are, I mean, these things in some cases are already happening, but are they going to kind of take over traditional schooling in 2023? Arguably not, but I think they're uh, hot on the heels. And that's, uh, so some examples here, a subscription-based model for learning. So that's going to be something that that people subscribe to, maybe not so much at the younger level, but maybe more sort of towards university level, degree level and, and beyond. And the idea is that you pay a subscription and you essentially learn what you want. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's something that's in place, again, already in sec some secondaries, certainly the one I'm working at, at the moment. We've, uh, we use bedrock learning for years well, it's only year seven now actually because it's got it's been it's proved too expensive to to carry it on through um through year eight and nine but there is that so each each child has their account each student has their account and um they work through to their ability and it's a progressive system and they they work um they work to their ability 
and um, you know there are incentives as well. So again, it kind of comes back into that kind of gaming element as well. So there are programs in place for that, and, and uh, you know they they do seem to be quite effective. The kids do get quite competitive about it. Yeah, I mean, I know something that's that exists here, and I know it's starting to exist more and more around the world. Is where you know education is outsourced, or you have more of a kind of learning hub situation where children uh, and young people essentially create their own they work from home they create their own curriculum the tutors are all available online so they're able to do all their learning uh, in their own way at their own pace their own time and it's it's schooling but it's not going to school in the in the traditional sense and i i didn't i didn't know this was a thing until until quite quite recently um again being in an international environment i wonder if it's if that's why it's kind of something that i'm more aware of but also in the wake of in the wake of covid and, and having this online availability and having goodness knows how many platforms like zoom google meets i mean i couldn't even listen them all microsoft teams i mean there are so many at this point it's 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 quite unbelievable but the idea that you can now tailor your education in such a way I suppose does have plus points, but the worry for me would be that these children are then missing out on that social environment, that classroom space, that interaction with with other children. Arguably, that could come from going and doing sporting activities, going and doing various hobbies. But Mark, I'd be interested to know kind of where you sit on the idea of personalised curriculum and, and sort of at home tuition. Yeah, I'm not sure about the at-home aspect. I mean, if there's a balance between, um, like you said, online learning. I suppose in online learning, you know, we all had the, the, the kind of breakout groups and, and that kind of stuff when we were doing that. But uh, the collaborative approach then, in, in that sense, would be good. Um, yeah, I, I do quite like that kind of bespoke idea. It's um, I remember a few years ago, again, when I was working in primary, I was chatting to a guy who was a, a, an education consultant um, in Finland. And... The, the project-based learning that they have there, it just did sound much more uh, creative, I think. So the kids will get as kind of, they can kind of focus on the area that they're more interested in, but they will have to incorporate the other elements to um, to make sure that their, their, their education is holistic and it's, you know, it's well-rounded and they are getting all of the, the, the input from all the subjects. But, um, it just, I mean, and obviously, you know, we, we all, we've all seen the um, the results and the grades and everything else that are coming out of Finland. So, you know, it, it does seem to be working. So it's just an interesting idea, I think. But yeah, to have it kind of solely based online, I'm not entirely sure that that is, like you say, beneficial in terms of social skills and um, yeah. other activities and skills based, again, skills based stuff in, in terms of arts and, um, um, you know, sports as well. I mean, there is a suggestion on this list as well that says uh, the list from Moonpreneur, which suggests that hybrid learning could could be something as well. I mean, again, I don't know how that would how that would work. It would certainly need to be something that would be realistic for teachers as well, because I remember sort of when as we were kind of coming back into school and there were still children off and there were people getting sick, teachers getting sick still quite on quite a regular basis. Um that the idea of kind of trying to do two jobs where you've got the kids who are at home 
and the kids who are in class and to try and kind of balance that and mark all the work and all that it just wasn't we ended up um, at school kind of having quite, quite a lot of discussions about it because it quickly transpired that that was not realistic that, that the idea was is that you know if we teachers are in school then we are teaching the children that are at school those who are at home we can you know send work if they're just isolating because um, someone in their house is unwell uh, or if they were sick then the policy was that no sorry you are off sick but it took quite a bit of kind of ironing that out so I think if you were going to go for a for a hybrid approach or certainly if that is something that is going to be the idea going forward it would need to be um, you know, management teams at school and teachers themselves would need to be very clear that the workload and how that works is is realistic. Yeah, it sounds way too overcomplicated. I mean, the hybrid learning was, uh, <laughs> was an absolute nightmare <laughs> during lockdown. You know, kids, uh, it, 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 in the smaller classes, it wasn't too bad. So like in sixth form classes, for example, I could get... Um, I'd get students on laptops and like put the laptop with the group or, you know, they, they'd be taking part in the lesson in that way and either their, their face would be there and they could be chatting away but it wasn't entirely you know for it, yeah it just didn't really work did it so it would have to be if you're going to do hybrid learning perhaps they mean where there is an element where everybody is working online at one stage and then everybody is working um in the classroom together after that 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 sounds more sensible perhaps Mm. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of discussion recently about flexi working for teachers. I know um, Hannah Bradley, who was in the space earlier, has actually written articles on this. And I will again try and dig that out for my show notes as, as well, because I think it's it's sort of it, it ties into this in, in a way. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm making sort of tenuous links or not, but if you are going to if you're going to have a situation where you know pupils are both online and at school then arguably you should have the same situation for teachers or do you have one set of teachers who are in school and one who work from home I mean it would the staffing and the organization of it I mean just thinking about it now as you said Mark, I mean it's giving me a headache just trying to imagine how how that would work I think it could but I think it would need a lot of and it would need to be watertight as well it would absolutely need to be um, and I think the, the the students would have to be very very trustworthy in that respect because I certainly know I mean, bless. I mean, again, I was teaching year five at the time in lockdown towards the the end of the second one out here. The drivel that I was getting handed in. But in fairness to them, when I think back on it, was my was I at peak teacher level having been indoors for however long it had been at that point? No, probably not. So to be expecting a high standard of work being handed in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I should. I, I should have been expected a high standard, but I think it was it, it was clear that everybody was was tapped out. So I think it would also have to be uh, ensuring that, you know, standards are adhered to and that, you know, a certain level has to be met in order to for a class to be passed or, you know, a certain grade to, to be given. Yeah, I also think that, I mean, the the sort of working conditions in lockdown as well, for, well, for staff and for students, that it did not everybody was kind of suffering from it i think some people did thrive on it and it did benefit some people that working um in their own time um in you know in, in some kind of like isolation as well i think people there were students who flourished under that and some teachers as well who preferred that as well so maybe there is a call for that to to try and bring out the best in everybody so maybe perhaps a, a sense of hybrid in, in the sense that rather than having that mixed lesson where you know you've got half the class online and half the class in the classroom but you do mm. a lesson online and then a lesson 
in the classroom. So that, that you know, there could be a kind of a balance there, perhaps. Mm. I mean, I drew the line at being filmed in class because I just found <laughs> the whole idea incredibly, incredibly weird. And then just, and of course, you get into the whole idea of, oh, well, you know, you've got certain kids in class who maybe can't, you know, be be shown live online or how do you show it where you're showing you and not that oh anyway anywho um another thing that uh, which you've already touched on which is uh, a prediction for 2023 is the emphasis on holistic learning so uh, the changing scenarios of education have shifted the focus uh, uh, ensuring that we're sort of talking about whole child and and a more more sort of well they've said holistic again um where they grow up to become responsible individuals with an appropriate skill set and actually, one of the previous articles I looked at said that her research focus was going to be on. I can't find the correct part at this point. What did she say? She said um, strengthening the fabric of you know global education and you know a more kind of outward-facing approach rather than you know sort of yes, we need to focus on the locale and on our local communities as well, but also kind of you know reaching out into the into the wider world uh, as as well and uh, holistic learning has immense benefits students are empowered to improve their education outcomes gain the life skills necessary to take on a successful professional career and certainly through the enrichment program i've been teaching at the moment um, which i kind of call curriculum plus if you like we're able to teach children sort of all sorts of things that they wouldn't necessarily doing kind of day-to-day traditional schooling and that's kind of again i think come about as an idea sort of post-covid where we can do more with our day uh, I mean obviously the 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 day-to-day subjects the reading writing arithmetic is never you know that's never gonna go down the list in any way but it's nice to be able to like I did a, a whole thing on on podcast and radio actually funnily enough um, using uh, clips from my uh, from carefully selected shows as an example to to show my my children how to create a podcast which was which was lovely I mean how that's going to serve them in the wider world I don't know but a lot of the but one of the kids came up to me today and told me it was their favorite of the enrichments that they did this term so that was something excellent well that's um, you're presenting the you know uh, modeling good behavior aren't you you're saying right this is what I do well no you are it's, <laughs> it's, it's great for them to see you know what you do outside of the classroom I think yeah, it gives think them it's... you know that, that yeah, it, show, it helps to connect, doesn't it? Yeah, to show that we are, you know, because I'm still convinced that some of my children think I sleep under my desk. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. I think it's that, that of, moment when they see you outside of school and go, oh, you, don't, you don't permanently stay in the classroom. Oh, <clears> no, <throat> I know. But I think the I think idea that, of, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, I think it, it, that certainly lends itself, or uh, like logistically, again, I think it would be easier in primary to do that. I think you, you've got more scope, more flexibility to perhaps to do that. I think, again, it comes back to what I was saying before about um, easing up on the, the content in the curricula for <clears throat> secondary to, have, to allow time to do that as well without kind of detracting from, you know, those basic skills. But um, it is it, it is the, the knowledge skills argument, essentially, isn't it? It's giving... Uh, giving kids the opportunity to learn skills a variety of skills or or at least to be able to sort of see something that they perhaps wouldn't have seen before and they can you know make up their own minds about it but like you said if students are saying that's the best one that they've seen it might hit the you know it might hit them up for for some of those students but i think as well yeah yeah no no go on sorry no no i was going to let you finish sorry no i kind of had so go on (laughs) (laughs) sorry 
<laughs> I just I think my I, things are coming into my brain. It's actually gone. Oh no! What I was going to say is that yeah, sort of piggybacking onto the idea that there's so much content, and actually, you know, are we sending these kids into the world with real life skills and and things like you know things that they actually need like financial literacy and you know some ideas of maybe what they want to do post post 18 you know, uh, whether it is university or whether they do want to go and and try their hand at, at apprenticeships or something something like that so you know I think that there is I still cling on to the idea of what you said before of maybe there's hope that actually this will be addressed and we can uh hopefully move towards a future where maybe exams are less of a thing i mean i was never an exam person i don't know about you yeah no not at all <laughs> yeah no i, I actually but, agree that, that so i remember was it last no it must be two years ago now when i was doing the um uh the year 11 gcse spoken word assessment and the a, a large majority of the students were talking about Obviously, the, the focus was on lockdown and, and the impact that they had on their um, their education and, you know, their concerns and their worries and all the issues that they had with it. And the message that um, well, I tried to relay to them, so there's a, a Q&A session at the end of it. And I said to them, well, imagine yourself in a job interview in, in four years' time, five years' time, when you've completed your A-levels, you've completed your degree. They say, well, the GCSEs we're doing, they're not as worth as much because, you know, we've been taught under lockdown and we had done as much as um, uh, people before us and probably people after us, that kind of thing. So, well, if I'm an employer and I'm looking at you and what you've done and what you're capable of, and I can see your, again, it comes back to that resilience word, but it, it does. I it, said, you know, this was my message to them was that I would be, if it was a neck and neck situation, Chances are, I would um, I would opt for them, and I would I would employ them because they have managed to to achieve what they have under those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to have to be something that employers do acknowledge and, and understand going forward. Is that certainly the the students coming through now and 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 in and in years to come have missed out on 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 crucial things, and it's. You know, it may be that, I mean, certainly in sort of my, my generation, I, I look back on it now quite fondly in that, you know, quite a few of us or a large proportion of us went to university. We'd all kind of, you know, done a little bit of sort of voluntary work, traveling and nothing really set us apart. It was kind of and I remember and I've joked about this before on TTR sort of coming out of university with a gross sense of entitlement being like, well, I've got a degree. Why won't someone employ me? You know, I, I, I've, I've done the work and uh, it was it was incredibly humbling in that first couple of years outside of, of university. We're like, oh, there is really nothing that makes me different. Whereas I think these kids now do have it much tougher. But I think that from from the young people I've spoken to, that they're going to turn their experiences and they're able to articulate it in such a way. The example with those English assessments that you just said to say, you know, yeah this happened yes it sucked but i'm still going for it yeah absolutely yeah it's it's something like i said it, it shows the 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 resistance for those kids who have come through it and they, they are able to articulate that as well you know it really does show that the you know they are resilient and they are um 
the 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 exams I wouldn't say they're more well in some ways they are more valuable because they've managed to to achieve through um through all the issues and the problems that we had during lockdown yeah it's, you know shone in the face of adversity for sure particularly uh after algorithm gate i mean my goodness me uh, the the less said about that the better i think but um Oh, so we've we've covered a lot of ground already, but I don't think we can let this show end, Mark. And this is something you have touched on already without talking about. And this is kind of a slight about turn, not really related to anything else. Talking about some of the edu Twitter debacles of 2022, um, and of which there have been a few. And I don't know whether, dear listeners, you were involved in these or saw any of these, but um, some memorable ones include Whiteboard Gates. Uh, Mark, I don't know where you sat on on Whiteboard Gates. Um, I was kind of indifferent, to be honest with you. I think that there, there is a place for them, but I think the, the kind of mandatory use, they must be used in every lesson, is a bit ridiculous and far-fetched, just uh, um, you know, practical terms, to be honest. Yes, I mean, if you saw the state of some of mine um, and the, the rate at which kids go through these whiteboard pens. Well, that, yeah, the pens is the big issue, isn't it? That's, oh, yeah. the pens. Um, we've got some particularly shoddy ones at, at, at the moment. But uh, we're what also what my kids really like to do with whiteboards, and I'm giving people ideas here, but if you put the pen in the middle and then spin the whiteboard, that is the, honestly... If I, I could leave them in a room for hours doing that and it creates a, a spiral shape. They love it. I don't know what the fascination is. It's creative. So, it's, it's artistic. They're expressing their, their creativity. Yes, usually in the middle of a maths lesson. <laughs> but, but yeah, it depends I'm, on the quality of whiteboard. So the, the school mm. I was at before, they, they were fairly kind of cheap and flimsy ones and they could be used as wobble boards. So that was always uh, oh, yes. trying. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> no, just put it down. Leave it alone. Just have like yeah. thirty Rolf Harris's in the class. It's all wobbling them, flipping whiteboards. Yeah. So I was shocked at how tribal that argument actually became. Like there were some people who were absolutely adamant that you know you might, a classroom without whiteboards. Well, you you know then you're then you're clearly you know shouldn't be shouldn't be doing the job. Um, were you privy to Pengate at all? Um, I don't know. <laughs> this isn't about pen licenses, is it? No, this was uh, a kickoff that was about if a kid comes to a lesson without a pen, should a teacher give them a pen? Uh, and again, a very mixed bag of uh, responses on this. Um, I think this tends to be more of a, a secondary mm. issue with kids moving between classes because usually as a primary teacher, you know, you they're usually using pencil until they get pen licences. Um but the idea that you have a, in secondary school, for example, or in a year seven, year eight, whatever lesson it is, that a child comes to class for whatever reason, and there are a, there could be any number of reasons they don't have a pen. The, the sort of the idea that you'd refuse to give them a pen to teach them a lesson just seemed a bit extraordinary to me. Then surely you'd rather have a child, you'd rather loan a child a pen for that lesson so they can be productive in that lesson than have them sitting there either, you know, feeling quite ashamed in a corner or cause raising hell because they don't know what else to do yeah no i completely agree it's, it, there's um i know several schools that i've worked at and trained at have this kind of policy of the they call it the big seven i think they have to have pen pencil pencil ramp, blah, 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 the whole kit basically a pencil a pencil case with um this set number of items in it um and if they don't then it's a, a negative point perhaps on the 
in the behavior chart system, that kind of thing. They have to go and get one or buy one from um, somewhere with, uh, within the school. But to be honest with you, I'm a big softie, and I just say, no, we ask to borrow one first. If nobody else has a spare one, then I, you know, I give them a pen. So I've got a, a box of spares in my in my desk, and you know, like you said, it's it's pointless and fruitless, and it's wasting their lesson time as well. Invariably, it's the kids who need to have that time. They need to, you know, they they're the ones who don't need to be they, they shouldn't be at the lesson for any longer than they need to than, than they should be or they need to be so yeah i'll just give them the pen mm. my favorite twitter uh kickoff of this year and again i don't know if you saw this one was um when you can call yourself a teacher so the idea behind this one was that you are only a teacher for as long as you are a practitioner in a classroom and outside of that, if you retire or decide to leave the profession or whatever it is, you are no longer a teacher. And again, this went completely bananas and uh, got quite ugly in some corners of Twitter. So I don't know where, where you, you sit on, on that one, Mark, or whether you saw any of that uh, in, in 2022. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know where I've been. I've missed a lot of this. <laughs> I remember the white you call You have a <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I did have, again, on one of these shows, I had a conversation about this and we were talking about, um, education consultants and, you know, the, the, the Valley, I know I'm probably going to be treading on toes here and I do apologize if anybody is a, an education consultant listening in, but it's, um, from the experience, if, if people aren't in the classroom, I don't know, you can, you can call yourself a teacher or an ex-teacher, certainly, but if you're going to be going around and telling people how to, to do things in the classroom, I think you need to be still working in the classroom in some shape or form. Um, mm. That's, you know, again, it's it, it's my personal opinion, but I think it it does shift and it does change. And, you know, if if, for example, you've got a consultant who, hasn't been teaching over the last two or three years and they haven't experienced lockdown, they haven't uh, lockdown teach online teaching, they haven't experienced post lockdown teaching and they're going and say, right, you need to do this, this and this. I don't think teachers are really going to give them the respect that, you know, somebody who has been through that or is doing that. Um, they, they wouldn't give them the same uh, time of day, I don't think. So I think there, there's definitely a case for, <sighs> Ooh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think you'd have to be clear saying that if you want to say that you're no ex teacher, I think is, is an acceptable part time to your teacher slash something. If you're still part time teaching and part time doing something else, yeah, I mean, I hadn't actually thought about about that side of it. I think the way I'd kind of come at it was, well, I busted up for that that qualification. Therefore, until you know. I get the equivalent of, of disbarred in, in, in teaching in then, you know, I am a teacher, but that's very kind of, you know, sort of a dark way to look at it. But actually when you, you take a more sensible approach where you sort of say, well, you know, maybe you have been a teacher and you've sidestepped into something else. Then are you still a teacher in the, in the traditional sense? Arguably not. And yeah. of course it's, it's very easy to become and very quick to become out of touch in this profession yeah or do we see teaching as like i don't know (laughs) without trying to be too flippant about it but you know people who uh uh, who've quit smoking they they still say well i'm a smoker but i've I've quit or you know an alcoholic say well i'm an alcoholic but is it that kind of a 
a thing once you are that you are always that you always have that element of the the role about you I don't know I do think you remain um, and I've talked to friends who are either on sabbaticals or taking a break from teaching or or have since left you do remain institutionalized for quite a while apparently like the idea of kind of the fact that you know you don't have to time going for a wee or that you're you know you don't have to have lunch at 12 30 takes quite a while to sort of unwind from and I think always you do have the teacher stare or teacher voice out and about as well. I, 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 it happened to me the other day in the cinema. Somebody was kicking the back of my chair and I, in my very most teacherly voice, I said, uh, please, would you mind not kicking my chair? Thank you. <laughs> Just kind of threw my head back, this voice out into the void of the, the, the cinema behind me. I don't know who it was. I didn't make eye contact, but you do I have think... those. Yeah, so we're gone. No, I was going to say, I hope they were quaking in their boots. Well, they didn't kick me after that, so it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was effective, if nothing else. Um, Jeff Pedley wants to know, uh, can he call himself a teacher yet? Certainly not, young man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you do on a daily basis, Jeff. I know you kind of, it's, it's something to do with, well, I know you're in Belgium doing something, but is it, is it teaching? I don't really know. I'm winding you up. Jeff, you are very much a teacher. And a fellow host on Teachers Talk Radio, so that's nice as well. So, double whammy. But uh, I'm trying to think if there are any other debacles on Twitter. Just uh, those those were the three that kind of stuck out to me. And there's always, there's always something. And I'm sure going into 2023, there'll be things that... Uh, that will pop up and that we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. And it's, it's, I think, I mean, as we say on Teacher Story, there's, we want kind of healthy conversation and healthy debate. What we don't want is people getting a bit too militant and a bit too uh, high horse about it, which I think can happen in, in certain, in certain corners. But for the most part, I think, I think the community is pretty good. Oh, I've just seen that the lovely, Kelly would like to hop in. So, Kelly, you should be able to speak any moment now. Hopefully, this will work. Hello there. Uh, lovely to check in with you both. I've, you've just both actually got me thinking um, in terms of can I call my te- myself a teacher if? Um, and I think that, you know, our role is so so ever-changing isn't it you know there's such a trajectory isn't there so you know you mentioned um you know if you haven't been teaching during COVID well you weren't in the battlefield with everybody doing that so you know do you really understand the reality and now are you staring down the you know the, the 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 barrel of AI that's flying at us you know so I think it's it's actually a really interesting question. It's just it's just really got me thinking about you know these people that do go off and be, you know, um, working it in in other roles. Are they still a teacher or or is it that something that we that stays with us forever? And is is the the role changing all the time? You know. I mean, I think you make a, a wonderful point there, Kelly. And I think I mean even I mean I'm in my thirties now, and even, I struggle to, to keep yeah. up, and I kind of you know. It was in the back end of my teens as a lot of this stuff was was starting and it's it it is hard to keep up and I think as you say the role is changing so much and going forward into 2023 and beyond with this idea of well now that we know we can online teach now that we know that all this and all these various apps and the gamification now we know that all this stuff exists unless you are 
CPD up to the eyeballs in this? Mm. Can you cope in this profession going forward? And should it be that that is the, the baseline for being in this profession when there's so much other stuff that does absolutely make you a teacher? Um, and, you know, do you do you have to be on board with this stuff? Does, does the career depend on it? I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it depends on the, the role that you're in and, and potentially if you're interviewing for new roles and what and what new workplaces are hoping that you, you can bring to the table. Or if you've stayed in a school for 30 years and, you know, are people still expecting you to continue to evolve or are they happy for you to stay, you know, kind of doing your thing and that's that's what you've always done? So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's a really good question. I just wanted to, to check in with you guys. It's It's actually got me thinking about what, what we could infer teaching to mean and what is a teacher and and it's always changing isn't it so yeah it was just an interesting thought I hope you don't mind me buzzing in there but yeah not at all we we actively in, encourage it and I've, I, I'm always happy for, for people to buzz in so Kelly actually I really appreciate it and hopefully you'll you'll pop into some more shows and you know never know be be a guest one day as, as well because something I haven't mentioned actually today is that we are continuing to look for hosts actually going forward and and guests as well on Teachers Talk Radio and actually we want to talk to as many on the ground teachers as possible you are the people who Teachers Talk Radio is about at the end of the day the people who are doing it for real every day day in day out and the last the large majority or the vast majority of the of the hosts are teachers themselves I'm a teacher Jeff although I've told him he's not a teacher Jeff is most definitely a teacher uh, and we all teach in kind, of, in kind of different ways, different parts of the world as well, which is fantastic. And it makes Teachers Talk Radio what it is. And we talk about things that are of interest to us. But we're also open to to subject suggestions from, from our listeners as well. And I think it's really important that we are receptive to that. So if you fancy being uh, in the chair, as it were, do get in touch with Teachers Talk Radio via Twitter. Just send them uh, send the account a, a direct message and you'll get a host information pack with all the lovely details of what it's like to be a host for Teachers Talk Radio and where it can take you. And I've definitely had a fantastic 18 months or so, I think it's been now, doing this so i would actively encourage you if you are someone who likes to to share your thoughts with anyone who will listen <laughs> like me then please do get get in touch with us so i think we do need to wrap up a little bit because i am conscious of time so we've sort of done a, a very kind of roundabout tour through 2022 looking at the different issues that have arisen i would don't know if we'd answered any of the the big questions that we've had but we've certainly contemplated them and we've certainly suggested that there are things that still need looking at in terms of curriculum in terms of where we are as teachers ourselves and going forward into 2023 looking at the idea that maybe traditional schooling as it stands is is not the answer maybe there are uh different situations, different scenarios of, of hybrid learning or online learning or uh, subscription-based learning that are going to become more prevalent. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I don't think it's going to be something that uh, replaces traditional education entirely. But I do think it's, it's worth being mindful that these things do exist and that we need to be aware that, you know, the, the use of tech, as, as Kelly has identified, is increasing all the time. And that if we are able to stay on top of it, we we should. But it's 
certainly interesting to think about the idea of whether that is going to determine who can work in teaching and, and who can't. So some thought there. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.